You're listening to Radiotopia Presents from PRX's Radiotopia. Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. My name is Al Lenson, and I do a lot of things, but all my life, people have told me not to. Let me get this straight. You're going to be a poet, an actor, a playwright, a radio host, a storyteller, a comic book writer. Man, you you, you can't do everything, Al. But I want to do everything, and that's what this podcast is about. Everything I want to do. Stories, radio drama, documentary pieces, and interviews with some of the most interesting people on the planet. I told you, we're going to do everything. And sometimes I'll have my trusty DJ with me, Willie Evans Jr. I'm not a DJ. Whatever, you make beats. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. No, you're not. And no, I'm not. You never know, because we're going to be doing everything. You like Eddie Murphy now. You're trying to play every character in the movie. You can't do that, Al. You can't do that. You just got to pick one. I need to know what you do. I need to know what you do. What you do. What you do. What you do. I'm Al Letson, and you are listening to Earthang. And I am Willie Evans Jr. Thing, the show where I let loose. And the show where I keeps it tight. So, so Willie, your name is Willie Evans Jr. Uh, yes. Implying there is a Willie Evans Sr. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Willie Evans Jr. is my stage name. What do you mean it's your stage name? Well, well, it's not really my name. What? What, what, what do you mean? I, I've been calling you that for years. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, it's my stage name. Who names themselves Willie Evans Jr.? I mean, that's, that's a regular Joe name. <laughs> how, how, how do I not know this? You, come on, man. You know this. You know this. Willie, other people have cool stage names, like, 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 like most deaf. Well, that's not his name anymore. All right, fine. Uh, Big Sean. <laughs> well, that that's not really all that creative. Okay, okay. Kendrick Lamar. Okay, well, that's his real name. Yes, that that's what I'm saying. You got a plain-ass name, and it's not even your name. It is not plain. Oh, my God, Willie. What? It, it is so plain. But whatever. What? 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 Whatever. Okay. What 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 was your point of all of this? I was trying to make the point that you have a father. Okay, well, yes, of course, I have a father. Everyone has a father. Yeah, but you're a junior. I mean, I know you're not now, but but I thought you were. Okay. And this episode is about fathers ah, and sons. All right. Okay, I'm following you now. I'm I'm not a junior, but you know, my dad and I are close. Why 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 you say it like like that like what close dot 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 no there's no dots no no dots I mean you know we 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 are 
cool. I answer the phone when he calls. And Dog, we... you making some serious dots there. We cool. Okay, so we're kind of late bloomers. We're late bloomers in the in the father and son being cool game. But once we got in the game of being cool, we smashing it, son. We're smashing, smashing the father-son being cool game. All right, all right, I'm not. This 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 is a conversation for your therapist. But right now, we're telling stories about fathers <laughs> and sons. And today, I'm going to tell a story right, about right. one of my sons. Right. And you're going to tell a story about your son too. Correct. Uh, correct. Tell me, is uh, is is his fake name Willie Evans the uh, third? Man, shut up. I I think that's a reasonable question. Just man, just. Fine, fine, fine. Mr. Willie Evans Jr., drop that beat. Yes, sir. Hi. I'm glad you're here because it's story time. Story time. Story time. Hi. I'm glad you're here because it's story time. Story time. Story time. Hi. I'm glad you're here because it's story time. Story time. Story time. Hi. I'm glad you're here because it's story time. Story time. Story time. Late in 2016, on my other show, Reveal, I interviewed white nationalist Richard Spencer. And one of the things that you said is that you were going to be able to talk to people of color about going along with your white ethno state. And so you've got a person of color right now. Talk to me about your white ethno state. Let's not talk about the ethno state. Let's talk about identity. Who are you? If I say that, don't think about it. Just answer. Who are you? Sure. I'm, 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 I'm an African-American male that has four kids. One of those kids is a white kid. I adopted him. He has no black blood in his body at all. He is the, the apple of my eye. He's my 16-year-old boy, and I love him to death. Normally, I wouldn't bring up my kids in an interview, but I'm so opposed to the way that Richard sees the world. And in the moment, the only way I could respond to him was by speaking the truth of my own life. Afterwards, people have asked, how do I have a white son? Well, the story starts as many do. A boy meets a girl. Now, the boy has kids from a previous relationship. The girl has a son, a baby less than a year old from a previous relationship. Boy was black, as were his kids. Girl was white, and so was her son. And they lived in the Deep South, Jacksonville, Florida. The boy, of course, is me. And when I met the girl, her baby caught my heart. He was such a happy, cute baby who loved to snuggle and giggle, and his biological father wasn't in the picture. It was just the two of them. At the time, I was still trying to figure out how to be a single father to my kids. I mean, no one gives you a handbook. It's a series of trial and error. And to be honest, I was lost. And then I met the girl, and she helped me figure it all out. And in figuring it out, I fell in love with her and with her kid. I loved this little boy. I loved his mom. And it didn't matter what color they were. And so we became a family. Now, I grew up in the South, and I'd never done the interracial dating thing. This is almost 20 years ago. So it was a different time and place than we're in now. And in my first relationship of this type, I was extremely uncomfortable in public. All eyes seemed to be on you, even when they weren't. I just couldn't help but feel like they were. And if I was uncomfortable holding hands with a white woman, imagine how uncomfortable I was holding a little white baby. 
when we were all together as a family, everyone we passed would be trying to figure it out. Two black kids, one white kid, a black dad, and a white mom. What? But we lived in a pretty liberal part of town, and in that bubble, we were mostly good. Except back then, there was no grocery store in the neighborhood, and to get groceries, we had to go to another neighborhood. And I hated this place. People would look at me like, Sir, is that your baby? I'd get followed by managers whenever I went in. If I had a check I needed to cash, without fail, they wouldn't cash it. Once, I saw an old woman getting robbed in the parking lot. I went inside to tell the employees, and the manager wanted to detain me. This was the type of store I was going to with my little white baby. So the whole time we were in the store, I would just talk to him and say stuff like, Ooh, hey buddy, you like this? You think your daddy would like this? Yeah? Uh, 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 don't, don't do that. I'm gonna tell your daddy when we get home. Oh my goodness, your daddy will be so proud of you. Yes, you're such a good boy. I was just scared. Scared of him getting taken away, scared of being put in jail, scared of what people would think. I know where that fear is from. It sprouts from memories of my youth, of being run off the road by a big 4x4 truck with a Confederate flag hoisted above the cab. I was 19. I thought I was going to die. Or when I was a salesman, I was going to collect a check for my employer from another business. I was escorted into the business owner's office, and the man, an older white man, pulls out two handguns, places one on the desk, and begins to polish another one and looks me in the eye, but says nothing. I was 22. I thought I was gonna die. The fear is nurtured by white officers pulling me over, checking my license, throwing me on the hood of cars, talking to me like I was trash, and at times threatening me. This happened all through my 20s, and at times, I thought I was going to die. And even if I didn't know what it was then, I can clearly see it now. That when I held this little white baby or held his mother's white hands, something deep inside of me thought, if the wrong person in the wrong place saw me, I might die. But if my father taught me anything, he taught me that every day you have to fight for your family, even if that fight is with yourself. And I did. I fought for it. Ultimately, what got me over all of that was love. I'd look at this little kid who looked nothing like me. Blonde hair, blue eyes, and he loved me unconditionally. He'd run around the house calling my name. And day by day, he chipped away at that fear. And then one day when he was about two, he and I were coming home from the park. And I remember taking him out of his car seat and his hand pressed on my nose like a horn and I'd honk. He'd get a kick out of that. But after he finished giggling, I told him, you know, buddy, You can call me daddy. And from that day on, he did. And I changed too. Frankly, I didn't give a fuck what anyone thought. What I knew is that he was my son and I was his dad. Years go by, the kids grow up. We had another child and that brings our kid count to four. And you know, life does what it does. It grows, it shrinks, it struggles, it thrives. At the elementary school he went to, all the parents and teachers knew me because I'd pick him up every day. And the dreadlocked black man picking up a little blonde, blue-eyed white kid who runs around and screams, Daddy, was, well, memorable. 
Whenever anyone stared at us, I could feel that fear bubbling in my heart, but I would just look at my son and concentrate on him because he's my son and I am his dad. I didn't want him to feel hesitation from me or anger from anyone else. Watching him grow up at times was hard. Parents in our mostly white neighborhood were a little weird about letting their kid play with my kid, the white kid with a black father. I don't know what the conversations were in their houses, but I imagine they thought our family was strange. And on the flip side, going to my father's all-black church was an experience, too. I felt like the congregation wanted to stare at me and my little white kid. Now, they treated us well and loved us, so chances were they could care less, but I still felt it. I just look at my son and concentrate on him because at the end of the day, he is my son and I am his dad. When he was in fourth grade, he asked me to come to his class and perform to tell a story for the kids. And I realized I'd never done it before. Fourth grade, and I hadn't been to any of his class stuff. I got a ton of excuses why I hadn't. I was watching his little brother. I was working. I was on the road. Yada, 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 yada. And maybe that's true, but also maybe it wasn't. Maybe I was still dealing from this place of fear and, and didn't even realize it. So I go. And when I walk in the room, the kids are jumping around excited. My son's in the back. He peeps his head up, sees me, and runs at me, wraps his arms around my legs, saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And we walk through the class, and all the kids are looking at us. And one boy says, That's your daddy? And my fourth grader, the sweetest kid that I know, stands up straight, puffs his chest out, and says, Yeah, he's my daddy. Want to make something of it? I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know he knew how to talk that way. The little kid, all the kids, just seemed to chill out, and I was just a dad coming to tell a story. I did my thing, the kids loved it, and my son was overjoyed. But that night I got to thinking about it, and it struck me that it wasn't my son's first time defending me. The way he said it, the way he squared his shoulders, he had done this so many times before. And as much as I thought that I had been showing up for him, I realized that he'd been showing up for me in his own way, fighting for his family. That day didn't change anything between us. I loved him before I went in that classroom and I loved him when I left. But over the years, a lot has changed. That little boy is almost 18. He's becoming a man. He's taller than me, weighs more than me, and looks more like Thor than my Black Panther. His mom and I broke up. I moved across country to the Bay Area, and a year later, him and his little brother moved to California to live with me. When a few of my friends heard that the boys were moving in with me, they asked stuff like, even her son, he's going to live with you? Like, how's that going to work? And at first, I didn't understand. Of course he's coming to live with me. It's not just her son. He's my son, too. But the world operates differently. And even people who have known us since he was a baby can't see past the difference between us, namely the color of our skin. And I understand. I mean, it it drives me crazy when people say they don't see color because we live in America. Everything is informed by race. I absolutely see color. My son sees color. But when it comes to each other, I see my son. The baby whose diapers I changed. The kid that never wants to do the dishes. The little guy that stood up for me in his fourth grade class. One of the four pieces of my heart. And when he looks at me, 
He sees his dad, a man that will always have his back. Because every day, you got to fight for your family. Yo, I love that story, man. For real. Fatherhood, son! That's what I'm talking about, man. Fatherhood, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I always wonder why your son was different from you, yo. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of obvious. It is so obvious. Dude plays the trombone. He plays the trombone. What? He plays the trombone, son. Yes, my son plays the trombone. Yeah, you ain't got a musical bone in your body. <laughs> what the, what are you talking about? I, I got, I got rhythm. I got rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al. Uh, Willie, I got, I got rhythm. Al, as your friend, I'm going to tell you this. You have no rhythm at all. What are you, what, what are you talking about? I got rhythm. I can, I can dance. I can, I can, I can, I can dance. You have zero music ability and your son. Not true. Does. He does. That's true. He can get he, down he, on I the trombone. I have ability. He has ability. He, he, no, he, he look. He down on the trombone. That's, all I'm saying is that y'all are different. All I'm saying is that y'all are different. We are different, but I got I, I got rhythm. Can you can you play an instrument? I used to play the trombone. Oh, snap. So get him in here, and y'all play together. That would be dope. And we can have a thing like a father and son trombone extravaganza. <laughs> we can have a, a trombone extravaganza. Yeah, I, I kind of sucked at the trombone. <laughs> See? No, that, that's what I'm talking about. What, whatever, man. You, you got a story with your son? Oh, Go ahead. man. Listen, my little dude done started playing basketball, son. What? That's what's up. I'm a little worried, though. I am a little worried. I'm, I'm kind of worried about it. Why? Well, you know, we... He's a little scrawny, you know what I'm saying? Hey, wait, 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 he's not scrawny. There's nothing wrong with scrawny. I, I am scrawny, sir, so watch your mouth. There's nothing wrong with scrawny. And we don't use that term anymore. We say okay. he's wiry. He's wiry. He's okay, yes, wiry. wiry. Oh, or, you know, he's, my he's, grandmother used to, you know, say, call, call people like you and my son greyhounds. You know what I'm saying? Sleek and fast. Sleek and Sleek fast. Sleek and fast. Sleek and fast. Right. Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, recently I was at this little thing. Like, it's his best friend's birthday party, and it was a pool party. And they were playing in the pool, and suddenly this older kid who, you know, looks like he's already ready for a UFC match jumps in the pool right near my son and his best friend and starts like shoving them off of the floaty and just like kind of, you know, bullying. Nah, 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 nah. That's not cool. That's not cool. What what, what did you do? Well, you know, it, if you're asking if I drowned someone else's child. Right. Because like I would want to drown him. Right. So so if you're asking if I did that, the answer is maybe. Mm, listen, Doug, we, we are <laughs> recording this. So <laughs> like on. if... If we got it, if we got it. Come on, man. If, you know if, I ain't I, drown nobody. I'm just saying, you like. You know I ain't do that. You know I, I ain't do Look, that, you know. I got you. It's a, it's a strange thing when you're a parent and you see your child, like, facing, like, a bully. Bruh. And you can't go beat the bully up. Bruh. That's some, that's, dude, that's hard. That's hard. So, I, I go over to her and I ask her, you know, politely to talk to her child 
Although my face may have said that if she didn't get her kid, I was going to channel my ancestors like Black Panther and do old school things. Old school things. Willie. But there, there Willie. would be things. Willie. What, man? Look, I am forever Team Najee. And if anyone messes with either of my kids, in the immortal words of Willie D of the Ghetto Boys, you could be 9 or 99, cross the line, your ass is mine. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 look, 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 dog, look, look. You in trouble when you start quoting Willie D. I'm, look, <laughs> just, I, look, okay, this, this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This recorded. I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing. But. Okay, okay, Willie, I'm, I, we gonna cut this off because I, I don't want Child Protective Services to come get you for I'm not gonna attack someone's child. I'm not gonna attack someone's child. Do you? I mean, dog, you quoted Willie D. <laughs> do, do, you, do you have a story? Do you have Blind, a story? Cripple and crazy, don't phase me. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. 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 I have a story. I have a story. Thank you. But it starts with our first victory dance together. So the way that my afternoon usually goes when I get home is I come home, sit at the edge of the bed stare at the wall for about 10 minutes and just enjoy the silence. I'm preparing myself for that silence to get busted wide open like a balloon wrapped around an air horn when my kids come running in. um, Today when I was at school, I had a field trip to space. Um, I was playing basketball and I was like, and uh, we saw astronauts. I was like, and we saw spaceships. And we shot it, and they were like, oh, we man, and then um, at recess, when we had to so go cool. in, I won the so game. Cool. Which is something that I both hate and can't go a day without. It's a weird parenting thing. This day was different, though. The front door opened real quiet, and instead of being ransacked by two wild animals, my son, Najee, walked in the room and looked at me with a look that I didn't quite have in my Rolodex of Najee looks yet. It's a, another weird parenting thing. So there's the, I'm going to pretend to listen to you so you'll eventually shut up face, which is slightly different from the, I'm going to listen until I'm alone with mommy and then I'll just get her to do it face. And there are thousands of these faces. But the one he was making today was one that I hadn't filed yet. So... Assuming that something was wrong, because that's what I do, I worry. I turn my stern dad voice on and blurt out, what's the matter? What happened? He looks at me, holding this still undefinable look and defensively says, nothing. So at this point, I'm turning into a human steamroller and I'm just peppering him with questions. Why are you looking like that? Did you get in trouble in school? Have you talked to your mother? That last question unlocks his unidentified face. And he says, I want to tell you first. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to a basketball game and seen a breakaway fast break, but it's basically a moment in the game where the team knocks the ball loose and they break out toward their basket ahead of the opposing team. In this moment, you know a dunk is coming and something happens to your legs. It's like a like a lightning bolt striking your back. You instinctively start to stand up a little bit because, you know, an explosive moment is coming and it's almost like you're floating to the basket with the person that's going up. It's just a thing that happens. Well, 
that lightning struck my back because I knew this face. And now we were making that same face at each other. You got a girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, I know this was a teachable moment and I should have explained to him that that's not what's important right now. But it was too late. The dad lightning had already hit me. And I was no longer a father. I was Denzel Washington from training day. My man. Now, the dance we did together didn't last very long. In reality, it was probably about mm, five seconds. But that five seconds felt like a light year. It wasn't specifically that he had had his first little girlfriend. I knew it was a fleeting thing, and ultimately I'd have to explain to him that this was not as important as his growth as a person. And But in this moment, I felt as if we had reached this singularity of relating to each other. Seeing him so happy just made me visibly excited, which made him even more excited. So we danced. <laughs> guys so excited about i'll explain later now shortly after that my dad high was quickly killed by my daughter running in to give me a hug which reminded me that she'd be having this moment with her mom in a few years and right then i promised myself that i'd make sure to give them that same moment while i cried in a corner somewhere so a couple of weeks go by and i make sure not to ask about his little friend too much for fear of putting too much importance on something so early. Then one day, I get home later than they do, and when I walk in, my son is sitting on the couch watching someone else do fun things on YouTube Kids, like most kids do now. And he has another face. But this one I know. The problem is that this one should be locked in the do not open until angry teen phase vault so I sit next to my nine-year-old son and start the detective work. What's up, Boogerhead? Hey, Daddy. You okay, man? What's wrong? Nothing, I'm okay. Doesn't look up at me once. Doesn't react when I called him Boogerhead. This is bad. This is, this is bad. I know something is up. His mom hasn't come to me about anything, so he's not in trouble. Eventually, I just go over to him. Hey, man. Huh? Come on, let's go in your room for a second. I need to talk to you. Okay. He peels himself up off the couch and slinks into his room. I close the door. Naj, what's up? Nothing. Look at me. Mm. And the second he makes eye contact with me, mm. he bursts into tears. Of course, I instantly feel terrible. Hey, 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 man, what's the matter? Why are you crying? What you, what you crying for? What's She's wrong? She's mad at me and I don't understand because all I did was... Well, we were in class and the teacher was explaining Dia de los Muertos, which is to Dave the Dead. And she started crying and I got upset, so I went to her and told her to stop crying. And she got mad at me because I made everybody see her cry. She was mad at him for bringing attention to the fact that she was crying. Uh, I gave him a hug, took a deep breath, and broke the news to him. Son, I have bad news. 
This is something that you will never, ever figure out. And I can't teach you how to fix that. But what I can teach you is the ancient art of apologizing. And with that, his training began. I chopped a block of wood for him to stand on in the backyard, and he stood on it for five hours on one foot. And for five hours, he shouted. I'm sorry. Again. I'm sorry. Again. My dad. Again. I apologize. After the apology, what do we do? Leave it alone. Do we follow up? No, Sensei. Do we pester? No, Sensei. Final test. You're in a classroom. Class hasn't started. You see her. What do you do? Apologize. Walk away. Wait. Two hours have gone by. Wait, Sensei. Two days. Wait, Sensei. Two months. Leave it alone, Sensei. You are ready. Okay, that didn't happen. I just told him to apologize for making everyone look at her and just say that he, you know, hates it when she's sad. And to walk away directly after the apology and not follow her around like he does mommy when she's deciding whether today is a go to the beach day. So the next day I went into the studio. I think I did work. I don't remember. I was preoccupied with getting this dad win. Okay, so sometimes you give your kid advice on an action to take, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Okay, well, sometimes I do that. I just feel like sometimes teaching him to hope is more important than teaching him to make the perfect move. But when you can nail both of those in one shot, it's like a dad three-pointer, more basketball. So the afternoon comes, they get home. I'm on the couch pretending that I didn't rush home to make sure that I was there to see what happened. My little girl comes in and injures me with a wild hey, hey daddy, daddy dive, as usual. Mommy comes in. Hey, babe. Yeah, yeah, hey, where's Naj? She rolls her eyes and walks into the bedroom. And Najee walks in. He looks at me. I look at him. And then I get it. That look that I'm guessing all dads work for. Dad... You gave me advice, I followed it, and it worked. And then, we danced. A couple more weeks go by, problem free, relatively speaking. Eventually he gets burnt out by me constantly saying something to the effect of, remember school is most important. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Blibbity, blabbity. And after a while, I've returned to being the nagging dad that doesn't get it. But I got that W. Then, one day we're all at the house, and Najee does something unusual. Hey guys, can we all sit together and eat dinner tonight? Now, I have to admit that this isn't a regular occurrence. Usually, it's the kids together, and then me and their mom eating together after they've gone to bed. So, of course... We say, okay. So my teacher has this thing called check in, check out. So basically we say our names and then we say check in and then we say our high point of the day and then what our low point of the day was. And then we say our names and then we say checking out. Okay, cool. Can you do that? Okay, that actually sounds pretty cool. Let's do it. Okay, you guys go first. Okay, so I say my name, check in and talk about my day, then their mom does it, then my daughter does it, then my son goes. Najee checking in. Hmm, 
My high point of the day was, well, you know, remember that test I had in social studies? Yeah. I took it today, and I think I did pretty good. Oh, that's great, dude. Yeah. And my low point of the day was... And that's when I realized that this whole thing was a setup. Oh, no. She broke up with you? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. And I immediately launch into the plenty of fish, and this is just the start of a long journey where you figure out all of the things that you don't want in a partner, and you cuts me off. Daddy, it gets worse. Oh, man, what happened? She sits next to me in class now. Oh, dude, that's nothing to worry about. You should be focused on school anyway. No, Dad, it gets worse. Now, I know it's mathematically impossible for it to be that much worse. This boy is only nine years old. Well, what happened, man? Dad, you remember that kid that was bullying us at the pool? No, no, Yes, dog. No. The kid oh, that I told Willie, you about no. at the pool. Uh. She broke up with him to be with the sixth grader that was picking on him and his homie. Now, let me say this. I would never, ever attack a child. But I learned that day that his mom apparently has a Rolodex of willy faces on file, similar to my file cabinet that I have for the kids. Because as soon as I opened my mouth to speak, she said, Willie, you're about to say something about a child. Her assumption was right. And I had already used my art of apology on something else that same week. So I just looked at him and said, We'll talk about this later. Willie. Okay, we won't talk about this later. We'll talk about this later. Mommy, Daddy said we'll talk about this later again. That was good, man. You did a good job. Thanks. All right, all right. Well, all right, go on in and take a bath. Wait, wait, can we play that song that I, that me and you did? What are you talking about, Jedi Jones? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Please, come on. Well, we'll see. Willie Evans Jr. Jedi Jones. I'm the fat daddy. I'm skinning bones. Jedi Jones, you ready to rock them poems? Yeah, brother. This how it goes. The super dope rap machine in the house with the string beam. I put my soul in a scream dream. Earlier today, we had ice cream. Miles Rainbow. I had the same thing, though, but I had a little kiwi under it. I love to flutter it. What's that? Rap. Well, let's hit them off with some so they can hit us off with some hand claps. Hand claps, chilling with my paps. Does that mean friends? Yeah, old man. Come on, let's do the hook again. Willie Evans Jr. Jedi Jones. I'm the fat daddy. I'm skinning bones. Jedi Jones, you ready to rock them poems? Yeah, brother. This how it goes. That's the end of our show. That was Willie Evans Jr. and his son, Jedi Jones. Speaking of family, we should thank our fairy godmother. Many years ago in the state of Florida, in a small hamlet called Jacksonville, a poet named Al Letson wanted to tell stories. I want to tell stories of the world, my country, my community, and my own, because I think that storytelling is a building block of humanity. And so he did. But no one would hear those stories unless he found a way to amplify them. In other words, 
He needed some money. Cash, De Niro, Enns, Skrilla. But how? Until one day, his dreams and prayers were answered by a lovely woman. Who... who are you? Oh, sweet pea. I'm your fairy godmother. <laughs> I have a fairy godmother? Shush, 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 shush. Now don't worry. I'm here to make it all better, better, better. Her name was Dolores Weaver, and it turns out she wasn't just Al's fairy godmother, but the whole community's. Oh man, me too? Everyone except you, Willie. Dolores Weaver's done amazing things in Jacksonville, and even started a fund to help nonprofits in Northeast Florida. The Dolores Bar Weaver Fund, which sponsors this show, for which Al, and by extension, Willie, will be forever grateful. Wait, I thought you said not me. You're here, aren't you? The Dolores Bar Weaver Fund, from Al's Fairy Godmother. And that concludes this episode of Earthang, No Ordinary Love. Next week, Earthang gets serious. My head snapped up as a woman walked into the sanctuary. The light from outside was framing her figure, and she looked good. I mean, if I had been on the street, I might have said the same thing to Lewis, but we were in a church standing at an altar for his wedding. Yo, I'ma get with that. Let me catch her at the reception, and boy, it's on like Donkey Kong. Seriously, he said that. It was so bad, I remember it word for word. The good guy myth. Next week. Earthing is a production of Showcase from PRX's Radiotopia. No Ordinary Love was produced by me, Willie Evans Jr., and we had an assist from my little sister, Claire Mullen. Reburge is Earthing's show systematizer. If you can tell me what that is, Willie will buy you lunch. Additional music this week by Chris Zabriskie for the song Undercover Vampire Police and Scott Holmes for the Moment of Magic. Earthang is funded in part by the Dolores Bar Weaver Fund. Special thanks to WJCT in Jacksonville, Florida, and my other show, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting. You can find us on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Please, please, please subscribe and write us a review. Reviews mean new ears, and we need new ears, because willies are all chewed up. You can find us on on Facebook and Twitter, that's at Earthang, E-R-R-T-H-A-N-G, and I'm at Al underscore Letson, and Willie is at Willie Ev. I'm, I'm not even going to try to spell that out for you. And remember, my friends, you are a star set upon the night, and the universe needs you to shine. So shine, my friend, shine. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Daddy, how come how can we not get his episode? I don't think it's fair. I want my own episode. Radiotopia. From P.